thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hi, this is Chuck Quinley, and you're on Thread. This is Thread 36, which I guess we're going to call Conversations on the Road. I'm on the road, and I've come to you today from uh, Boracay in the Philippines, a beautiful little island that gets about 190,000 tourists a year for good reason, because it's absolutely gorgeous. Well, we're here as a family to celebrate my wife's 50th birthday, Sherry, and... uh, Kids have come. We have six children, and they've come from all over the world where they were. Christian serves in Bolivia. Uh, Nathan and Jessica were in the U.S. studying, and they've all taken time off and come here to be with their mom. And you know, I, I love being away with my family. And you get into some conversations, uh, especially in a car when you're traveling down the road for hours and hours, and you're not doing anything else. You you just have some things come up. And there's some conversations you can have that, you know, sometimes are really formative. And it's a chance to talk about some things that just come up, you know, and you have that teachable moment. And that's what's going to happen in today's thread. Jesus is is on a walk, and he's got his whole team with him. They're on a very important part of their journey together, and conversations come up, and we want to listen to the subject of those conversations today. So if you don't have your Bible, run and get it and come right back. We're in chapter 10 of Mark, verses 32 through 45. All right, let's jump in. Uh, Chapter 10 of Mark, verses 32 through 45. Verse 32 says, Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed and As they followed, they were afraid. This has been a a really tough year for all of them emotionally because the first year of Jesus' ministry, we call that the year of inauguration. He's introducing himself to people, and he's traveling all over the nation. Then the second year we call the year of popularity because that's the year where he's healing people, and he's feeding 5,000, and he's just going around doing everything for everybody else, and his popularity is swelling, and he starts to teach, and uh, you know he connects his healing miracle ministry with a teaching ministry, which is really the core of why he came. And uh, as he is teaching, he comes in his third year into a dramatic uh, controversy with the religious authorities in his day. You know, in a prophetic way, he starts to see the things that he that just, you know, they're driving him crazy in, in his own faith, you know, in, in their practice of worship of Jehovah. There's all this stuff that has grown up like barnacles on a ship, and it's contrary to the heart of God. It's contrary to the Scriptures. And he starts to speak about these things. And the controversies grow. We call this the year of opposition because every day, it seems, he's engaged in some kind of public debate with scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, politically leaning people, and he's engaging them in public discourse. These are heated exchanges, um, and he is just, as a prophet, calling attention to what they do. 
and this goes on. Well, now he has turned from uh, doing this in the countryside, and he is marching into the capital city. And at this point, it's just uh, himself and his followers. And there, if you've ever been on a tour of Israel, you know, the Dead Sea and Jordan River and all that, it's really low. And then Jerusalem sits on a, a very high hill. And so it's a, this is a long journey. It's, you know, it's a true mountain. And you've got to work your way up from that low basin up to the very top. So it's, it takes a long time to do this hike. And as they're going up, they can feel the tension. On the one hand, they're really excited just because of just the anxiety and the tension in the air and who knows what this is, but they've got a lot of confidence in Jesus. They've seen what he is, what he is able to do. They've seen how public opinion rallies around him. The things that he says are the things that everybody else is thinking, but no one dares to say. So, uh, you know, they have a lot of hope that good things are going to happen when they hit Jerusalem, but they know that this is going to be a really climactic event, and they're, they're afraid and they're excited, all, all rolled into one. You know, we, uh, just because of where my family lives and serves, we've been in places where revolutions were taking place, like on the day of the revolution. And in the Philippines, when we lived here, we saw governments uh, overthrown. <clears throat> and when we were... Um, Sherry and Kristen were visiting some of our churches and one church in particular that we have helped to support in Ukraine. And they, uh, they happened to be there on the day that a revolution was taking place there. And it was freezing and there's snow up. It was just bitterly cold. But they were there in Kiev and they joined the crowd. And, you know, it's an exciting place to be. And that's where the disciples are headed now. And they know it. And so they've got both amazement and they've also got a lot of palpable tension. And Jesus delivers to them the same message that he has given them. Now, this is the third time because he's trying to prepare them mentally for the way it's going to play out. It's not the way they think. It's not going to be a, a sudden victory. It's going to be a victory, but it's going to come after you know some other things that none of them can control, and it's in the future. So he tells them, understand what's going to happen. I'm, we're going to Jerusalem. I will be betrayed. I will be condemned to death. I will be delivered to the Gentiles. Verse 34, they will mock me. They will scourge me, spit on me, kill me. And on the third day, I will rise again. And they've heard this three times now, and they're just numb to it. They don't know what it means. They don't engage it. It you know, if you're really going to die, why would you keep walking? Uh, where's the victory in that? Because they know, you know, Jesus is not there to lose. He's there to win. And um, so it just kind of goes over their head. They they don't grab that word. But they there is another matter that is on their mind, and that is what's going to happen after he wins. And they're thinking in very much governmental terms. Uh, I, I'm in the Philippines this week, and so uh, in the uh, they just had an election here, and the outgoing president has made a number of midnight appointments. Uh, as she goes out of power, she's trying to secure her power in the future and also reward some people who did favors and just has filled the government with all kinds of positions. And the new president's got to figure out how to undo as much of that as he can so he can have his own leaders in. 
Well, as they're getting on the road, that's kind of thoughts going through James and John's mind. They are his half-cousins. And so they speak to him, and they say, uh, we want you to just give us whatever we ask. You know, they're so close to him, and they're, you know, they're related by blood. And so they, they think to ask the question in this way. I mean, how unfair to ask someone to say yes, and you won't tell them what it is you're going to ask. You just want them to trust you and say yes in advance. So they say, would you just say yes to us, you know, whatever we ask? And even with his closest friends, Jesus is not going to do that. He's got more integrity than that. And he says, well, what do you want? And they say, we want to be on the right and the left hand in your exaltation. You know, we want the rewards. The number one and number two spots, as you rule, we want them to go to us. Jesus is a little taken back by this. He says, you don't know what you're asking for. You know, my exaltation They'll learn his exaltation is going to be on the cross. Uh, they don't really want that. He says, are you able to drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? You know, Can you handle what I'm about to go through? And they're a little too self-confident. Verse 39, we are able. Uh, it's great to be confident. They're just a little too confident because both of them will flee. They'll run for their lives. But John will show the greatest loyalty, and he'll come back. Jesus has confidence in them too, and he says, you know, you will indeed drink the cup I drink. You will handle the same baptism. You know, you will be able to handle persecution because that is what is going to happen. And that's what the book of Mark is all about. It's to prepare the church to deal with the coming persecution and to let them see that this is the pattern that happens to those who stand as prophets. You're going to be persecuted, and you have to gear up for it. Um, again, the Philippines, it's the most dangerous place in the world if you're a journalist to serve in the Philippines. And the politicians kill them, uh, drug lords kill them, kidnap groups kill them, uh, illegal loggers kill them, just anyone they report on. And so today in the paper... The news people were asking for automatic permits to carry firearms to protect themselves. And the government's response was that their protection would come from not embarrassing people with their news stories and not talking about these things. And if they would just not speak, then they would be protected without the need for guns. And, you know, that's how it is with a prophet. It's your, it's your determination to speak. It's the, your courage to engage evil openly so that everyone else can see it. That's what leads to your persecution. But that's your whole value in the world, to, to you know, be a silent prophet. We don't have any value in that. We can't gain, we don't get anything out of that person. If you're a teacher, you need to teach. If you're a prophet, you need to prophesy and help us see the truth about things. And Jesus looks at them, and he's confident. He's worked with them. He knows they're going to not be loyal in the beginning. They're all going to run for their own lives. But in the end, he does have confidence that they're, they're all going to come back. And he says, well, you need to understand that calling and placement and exaltation and span of leadership 
This is up to God's sovereignty. God prepares people, and God prepares places for those people. He says, to sit on my right hand, my left hand, that's not mine to give. It is for those for whom it is prepared. So, you know, it's a a confidence to know that wherever it is that you're serving, the Lord put you there. And if you didn't get it by some human scheming, you can be confident that the Lord put you in that place, he put you there to serve, and that he will give you the grace and he'll give you the ability to do the job that you're called to do, even if it's a hard job and even if it leads to times of persecution. The ten heard James and John angling for position, verse 41, and they really were, the scripture says, greatly displeased with James and John. You know, rightly so. These two guys have just violated community. They violated the unity of the group, and and the others just feel a betrayal from them, and they have been betrayed. Uh, These two have taken advantage of an opportunity and tried to get something for themselves. So once again, verse 42, Jesus returns to one of his central teachings, and it's a teaching these guys are just not getting. He has talked about this over and over and over again, and still they don't get it. Uh, They want the perks and exaltation of being the boss. They want to be number one. They want to give the orders. They want to get the highest pay. They want to reap the benefits and have the servants and have the staff. That's what they think it is. And he, one more time, he says, okay, let's talk about this. And he stops the trip, calls a meeting, gets them in a circle, sits down, says, listen, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, These are people that don't know God, they don't have his word, they don't know his ways, so this is how they lead. They lord it over them. Their great ones exercise authority over them. Verse 43, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. Not so among you. Let's go back to that, verse 43. Leadership in the kingdom is volunteering. It's volunteering to wash the dishes, to wash the feet, to do the counseling, to bear the burden of the work. That's kingdom leadership. It's volunteering. It's a voluntary kind of leadership. And the Lord applauds those. He blesses those who take the lead to serve. I'll serve first. I'll take them to the airport. I'll be the one to do that. Who'll be the, oh, I'll, I'll do it. He says, man, you're the lead servant. God knows who the lead servants are. He blesses the lead servants. But the desire to lead, that's good. Just know that kingdom leadership is servanthood. You live and you sacrifice yourself for the welfare of others. You're given authority. Yes, absolutely. You've got to have it. You've got spiritual authority, and you're given uh, you know, line authority. But it's authority to put others up, not put them down. It's authority to boost them higher than yourself. Authority to use your strength to propel them into their calling and their destiny. 
And so few people get this. Now, you can tell who does get it because they have an army of capable people around them. Just amazing talent rises up because talent comes to people like that and they mine the you know they mine the gold in others they look into a person they look for their strengths they pull those strengths out they put them in the use and they get the benefit of all that ability but they also know that these people belong to the Lord and that God has other callings for them and they're going to have to release them to do whatever God is training them up to do in the future because the Lord has places for them to serve even outside of of you know your own need for them. God knows who the servants are. He knows who the lead servants are. And he applauds them because in verse 45, Jesus says, that's how the Lord is. I applaud your desire to be the number one servant. Wash feet before anyone else gets to it. You want to wash the feet. The one who carries the stuff, the one who... Uh, makes the plan, the one who stays up thinking how to do it, the one who organizes the people, the one who raises the money, the one who you know, organizes the workers and the jobs and, and stands there and makes sure that it gets done, you know, the servanthood. And he says, that's what I'm about. I didn't come here. And he's the son of man, the great prophesied Messiah. The son of man did not come to be served. The son of man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So serving was the core calling of Jesus and of every leader who follows the pattern of Jesus. As the master, so the disciple. So let's get out there this week and look for ways to be the number one servant. Volunteer first, take initiative, take initiative that puts other people ahead, and moves them forward into the will of God for their life. And in doing that, we will be like our master, Jesus. Well, we praise God for the ransom that he gave for all of us and for God's own commitment to our personal development and that he has put men and women in the body of Christ who take that role seriously as well. And we're all you know, benefited here today because of the ministry of, of people who have looked into our lives and have done their very best in us to bring out the, the character of God and those gifts that God put inside of us. I think it's a great ministry, high calling, and it's one of the most enjoyable things that you and I will ever give ourselves to. Well, that's all for now. If you'd like to contact me directly, chuck at quinley.com. Chuck at quinley.com. You can check my personal blog site, quinley.com. I'd love to hear from you. See you next time on Thread. Thread. Singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to emergenetwork.org.